0: Thanks for tuning in to another Textination interview. I'm Fred Fishkin, and with us is Harpreet Singh Rai, CEO of Aura, O-U-R-A, one of the leading companies in the wearable technology business. Very unique. Thanks for joining us, Harpreet.
1: Thanks for having me, Fred, and glad to be on the show.
0: Well, give us the description, first of all, of what the Aura Ring is all about.
1: Yeah, um, so we're, you know, we make a device called the Aura Ring. Um, you know, it's, I would say most people describe it as a wearable. Um, and really what we do is help users understand and improve their sleep so they can improve their lives. Um, you know, I think really better sleep yields to better health and eventually a better life. And and that's what we allow people to do.
0: So what is in the ring that allows you to do that? <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. I think,
1: you know, today, if you went to a doctor and said, I wanted to get a sleep test, um, they would send you to a sleep lab and they hook you up to a device called polysomnography machines or PSG test as is abbreviated. And that has all types of 16 to 32 different wires hooked up to your head. You know, you got to stay overnight in the sleep lab Um, and they analyze your brain waves. Um, You know, the speed at which you're you know brain waves are moving throughout the night and uh, it's been found with science you know that these different speeds of the frequency of these waves um, that your you know brains at during the night correlate to something you know we've humans have created called sleep staging um, and uh, all different types of things happen during the night when you're sleeping um, for example in deep sleep um, you know a lot of your you know muscles are repaired Um, A lot of, you know, memory recollection and learning, for example, happens in REM sleep. Um, Another thing that happens at night is, uh, uh, you know, if you look at something called tau um, uh, or beta amyloid, it happens to be an inflammation plaque that we just have a little bit of every day. And that, for example, is that plaque is washed away at night uh, by your brain's lymphatic system called the glymphatic system. Um, that helps clear toxins and reduces inflammation so you can function properly the next day and you know that that's very ke- heavily correlated with deep sleep as well so there's all these miracles that happen to your mind and body uh, during the night and um, you know hence is why you know sleep is so vital um, and you know the way that we do it it's a pain in the butt to go to that sleep lab no one wants to do that and you're not going to do that every single night you um, And what we have done is make that a lot easier for consumers. Um, You know, you simply wear this device. We give you uh, three scores in an app that pairs to both iOS and Android. And we actually give consumers a little bit of insight and a little bit of information every single day on things that they may be able to do to improve or things that may have hurt their sleep quality last night.
0: Um,
1: We have a bunch of different sensors in here, um, LED sensors, movement sensors, accelerometer, gyroscope. Temperature sensors as well, and we have trained those sensors in that data stream against all you know lat data from sleep labs, and just like every wearable, frankly, has done, Fitbit um, has done this. Apple does not do sleep stage tracking, um, but other devices like Garmin as well. And um, you know, I think what we have found is um, by focusing on sleep and by using the Ring form factor, which we believe actually really helps to improve the accuracy of those signals. Um, coming from these wearable devices um, that we can give consumers really meaningful insights on not just how to improve their sleep, but how to improve their life.
0: Well, some of the products that you mentioned, some of the watches are, are very good, but there's, the problem is they're a watch. Uh, Very often they need to, they're, they're a lot larger, not always that comfortable to wear in bed. You might be cutting circulation and the charging factor is, is important here. Typically, you you want to charge up your watch at night. That's when you don't need to be wearing it. So that's uh, that that's an issue there. So how did you manage to get all of this capability? You're doing heart rate. You're doing temperature. These I don't know how with a ring you're able to tell. You know how much REM sleep I'm getting yeah. or 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 the different or how when I'm. Sleeping deeply, how are you able to tell that with a ring? How do you get it in? First of all, all the technology in something the size of a ring, along with a power yeah. power supply. Yeah, I mean,
1: uh, it, it's a great question. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I think you know the answer is we we have a, an awesome, awesome team all around. Um, you know, specifically on the hardware team, we have some folks that have worked both. You know, mainly uh, on mobile phones um, and you know telecommunication systems. Which are all about, you know, really very similar um, functions of sort of signal to noise ratio, right? Um, you know, I would say like train data sets um, as well to to make sure that you can, you know, account for things like noise and different conditions. Um, it's it's a lot of the same engineering that happens in, in telephone systems, um, and I would say you know, you know what the, what's interesting about the battery life and sort of the whole ring form factor. It's it's probably worth noting. Um, you know, your, your typical watch, as you notice, is uncomfortable to wear to bed, right? Um, and, and frankly, as you also know, the battery life's really poor. And the, the reason that is, is because, you know, if you look at where your watch sits, sort of on, on this side of your wrist, right, there's a lot of bone there, a lot of muscle mass, um, and these are veins, right, not, not arteries. As, as we know, when we measure a pulse on the inside of the wrist, you can feel that signal. That pulse is really strong. Turns out that pulse goes to your hand right? And your skin is also very thin, right? Hence why your hands have this reddish hue. Uh, The blood is so close to the surface of the skin. And what that allows for, or creates, I should say, is a pulse signal that is about a hundred times stronger than where your watch sits on your wrist. Uh, The combination of the thinner skin, the arteries instead of veins that are closer to the surface, um, you know, really leads to a much stronger pulse signal. And that means we need way less battery to see the same pulse characteristics that you would on the wrist. And we see that signal so much more clearly. And um, because of that, the ring form factor has a better signal quality, has that better battery life, and to your point, better usability. Like people don't, you know, people take things off when they go to bed, they don't want to put things on. And so even a watch, you know, when you're cuddling with your loved one or even your dog, you know, uh, whatever it may be. Right. Um, it's just not as comfortable to wear to bed as, as a ring. Um, and so that, that hopefully that helps describe a little bit of the hardware side and how we fit some of these things in there. Other than it's, it's really, really hard. And we have a really, really good team.
0: So how did this come about? I mean, what, what's your background and what led to the creation of ORA? Yeah. Um, so I'm actually an
1: electrical engineer. Um, I went to University of Michigan. I studied something called MEMS engineering, uh, which is, you know, microelectronic mechanical systems or sort of the predecessors, predecessor to nanotech. Um, and so, you know, some of the things I worked on in, while in college were, you know, a movement sensor, an accelerometer, you know, things that go in everything from a Nintendo Wii controller to, you know, your Fitbit, your Apple Watch, and an ORA ring. Um, and uh, I also worked on, you know, actually a, a neural implant in um, and, and doing my master's in my program. I didn't finish my master's, but. Is
0: that the kind of thing Elon Musk
1: is doing? Or? It was actually very, it would be, uh, yeah, we worked on a neural probe. The idea would be using MEMS technology, how to, you know, make the incision as small as possible to reduce scar tissue uh, when implanting a neural probe uh, into the brain. I'd um,
0: rather be wearing a ring, but keep on yeah, going. Too. Um,
1: I, you know, actually didn't finish my master's. I finished that class, but, um, but didn't end up finishing my master's. Um, I, I actually am not one of the co-founders of or I'm the CEO. I've been the CEO for a few years now. Um, but really, the, the company was started in Finland. And um, it was started actually with, you know, a handful of engineers from both um, Nokia um, and actually also Polar, um, the company that makes a chest strap you know, that triathletes right. use, um, that, that company is actually Finnish and from the same town. And, um, and I think between, you know, uh, there, there's also, unfortunately, because in, in Finland, there's a lack of sun during the winters, right? It's like, you know, near the North Pole, it's dark all the time in the winters and it's sunny all the time in the summers, just like Alaska. And, you know, that leads to actually a lot of sleep issues in, in the Nordic population as a whole. And because of that, Finland's been this unique place of awesome hardware engineering, awesome physiological engineering, you know, like things like polar, combined with like a deep passion and understanding sleep and health uh, because of all the different you know, uh, sunlight and eventually circadian rhythm disruption that happens. And so, um, you know, I think when uh, there's some really, really good founding first principles, you know, when we were looking at first of all wearables as a whole or health as a whole, it was like what to focus on. You can focus on diet, activity, or sleep. And um, you know, I think if you take a step back, the one thing we all do no matter what every day is basically try to sleep. Only 10% of Americans, or at least pre-COVID, um, you know, would work out in a given day. But 99.9% of Americans or everyone in the globe essentially tries to sleep tonight. And it turns out if you start looking at the research and science, sleep has even a greater impact on our health Uh, frankly, than, than activity or diet. And most of us, in fact, sort of think about sleep last. We're like, oh, I got to optimize my workout. I got to optimize, you know, what I eat. Um, Well, it turns out that, you know, um, everything from your testosterone, if you're a man, from your, you know, from your collagen, for, you know, for anyone, from all your memories, um, you know, frankly, to preventing Alzheimer's, dementia, or even cancer, your your natural killer T-cells that fight off cancer are made in your sleep. And most people don't realize it's, it's sort of, you know, Matthew Walker says this, who's, um, you know, the author of this book, the best selling book on sleep called Why We Sleep and a professor at Berkeley um, and also our chief science advisor. He says, you know, sleep is, you know, basically the single best legal performance enhancing drug, you know, and I, I would add that most of us choose not to take. Right. Um, most of us choose, you know, not to you know, get a full eight hours uh, of sleep every night. Uh, In fact, we're the only species on Earth that deprives ourselves of sleep. Um, No animal will ever do that uh, naturally. Um, You know, I think uh, technology, unfortunately, has some negative consequences. We've gotten disrupted in our normal, habitual ways as a human society. Um, And there's tons and tons of benefits. But, you know, I think our change in lifestyle has hurt us.
0: Is there evidence that the information that you're providing, whereas you're giving me the information about how much I've slept wearing the Aura ring. Uh, you're telling me how restful it is, uh, my readiness level in, in the morning when I wake yeah. up. Is there evidence that people act on this information to try to get more sleep and, yeah. and more restful sleep?
1: It's a great question. Um, so I would say, first of all, most of our users will tell us how much they improved their sleep and how much more aware uh, they are of it in terms of anecdotal, you know, that's anecdotally. I mean, we get, you know, hundreds, thousands of messages every day on how we hear, wow, better sleep has allowed me to be more productive and actually get a lot more done at work. How better sleep has actually helped me unlock certain issues in my health. Um, how better sleep has, you know, allowed me to be a better athlete. Um, these are all the stories that we hear every single day from our users. Um, the hard part about the evidence part is what we have found, Fred, is that once you get an Aura ring, you start getting that data day one. So we sort of don't have a baseline on you pre Aura. You you get Aura ring and you actually start uh, changing your behavior. Um, I do know there's a professor at UCLA who's done a totally independent, um, you know, review of behavior change and wearables, and you know, I know has submitted uh, submitted those findings to your paper and has told me that he was most impressed, you know, anecdotally just with, with Oura Ring. Um, And so, you know, we're waiting for more of that validation to happen by a third party and we've, we've, you know, by other third parties and we've spent a lot of time and resources as a company to be able to provide a lot of stuff for researchers. You know, we were the first wearable actually to uh, launch a study with an academic partner with UCSF during COVID. Um, And so I can't wait for some of that research to get out, but I would say, we hear it every single day, maybe every single hour from our users, um, how much they've learned about their sleep, improve their health. And so far um, I would say all the research has been really, really supportive.
0: Now you're not doing what Garmin and others are doing when it comes to all the data on activity tracking, but you're giving people an idea if they're, if they're moving around enough yeah, and how often they're getting up from the chair.
1: Yeah, excuse me. Sorry, I was just drinking some water. Hydration's um, important, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another thing we need for our lives. Um, no, so we, we actually do track activity. But as you noted, we, we really just focus on steps and general movement. Um, we, um, we do give people reminders and set activity goals. Actually, you'll notice that your activity goal in your app every day changes based on how well your sleep and your readiness score is. So days you have higher readiness you're going to have a higher activity goal and we actually do give guidance you know to to people there um and i think you know we haven't focused on providing sort of heart rate information during your workout Um, that's definitely something that we'll do more of in the future but what we have seen with professional athletes and we partner with the nba the ufc nascar red bull racing seattle mariners a bunch of different college sports as well um a couple you know uh, formula one teams um, we found that actually athletes what the SNC coaches, the pros are doing is looking at that recovery data and then using that to actually see how hard should I work out today? Um, and so I think it gets in this idea of actually preventative versus reactive, um, like looking at your heart rate in the moment is oftentimes too late. You know, what are you going to do? You're going to slow down your workout or you're going to try to push yourself harder. We can already tell you that. And our users actually find out how hard to train just by looking at their sleep and recovery data. We have actually started to do a lot more in activity. So now in Oura Ring, you can actually, you know, either use HealthKit or, you know, Google Fit for Android wearers. And we'll start to pull in all that activity from those, you know, um, other apps. And so all of that is actually then reflected um, if you use like a workout app like Garmin or like like Strava or even something like Peloton and you have it connected to, you know, Apple HealthKit. And we'll pull that data in. And we've actually started now to use that data to suggest to users, um, you know, automatically with a, with a machine learning model, like, hey, did you just go for a walk or a run? Um, or were you just strength training? Because we can now actually, we've trained it with enough data to start to identify those activities. So, you know, we are giving people more guidance on activity, but I would, I would actually note that really the key use case is if you sleep better, if you recover better, will give you a harder activity target the next day. Um, And that really helps people understand how hard they should push themselves each day physically.
0: Well, you mentioned the partnership uh, with the NBA and and other pro athletes, and this ties in with COVID, which you also made mention of. So tell me what's happened, I mean, over the last year, when it comes to Aura and this whole idea of helping with the pandemic.
1: Yeah, look, I think, um, so we have three, you know, for your listeners, right? We have three that, that don't probably notice. We have three scores in the app. We have this main score called readiness that, you know, Freddie, you were describing before. And we were all comparing our readiness scores before we started this, started the recording. Um, and we have a sleep score and we have an activity score. Um, within that readiness score, we have a couple physiological signals from your body um, that happen to have and fluctuate quite a bit uh, when you're getting sick. Um, So, you know, is your heart rate elevated? Is your heart rate variability, which is a sign of stress changing or or decreasing? Um, Is your temperature, we're actually, you know, been the only wearable to have temperature sensors in our device since day one. Um, You know, Apple watches don't have temperature sensors in them and even Fitbit didn't before COVID and and now others are starting to implement that. Um, and, And we also see respiration rate. And so what happens in the readiness score what we've found every single year during flu season is users reach out to us and they say, hey, all of a sudden my readiness score, Fred, you were, you were talking about your 95 earlier, my readiness score has dropped to 50 or 40 or 30 or 60, whatever it may be. And I noticed that my body temperature was elevated a degree or my respiratory rate was up 20% or my heart rate you know, was up you know, to 10 beats higher than normal per night. And so we've seen that behavior every year during flu season. And we've sort of always joked that, you know, people can tell that they're getting sick from the data before they even feel symptoms. Well, I think those stories took on a whole new meaning. Um, those user, you know, that user feedback took on a whole new meaning during, during COVID. So when, you know, COVID hit, um, you know, us as a company, like every company, was trying to figure out what can we do to help. And, um, you know, we felt like we knew that we have a little bit richer data sets on some of these things like heart rate, heart rate variability, respiratory rate, and temperature being the key one that other wearables don't. We got to study this, you know, and if we can actually see if people are getting sick before they feel symptoms, wow, you know, we can alert people to sort of, you know, stay home, stop the spread, you know, take it easy. Um, And we felt like actually, you know, partnering with a research institution like UCSF, who we've already done studies with before, you know, nothing could be better. And and frankly, I think UCSF had, the researchers there had the really bright idea that we should get these rings to as many frontline healthcare workers as we could. They're gonna be in the COVID, you know, wards. They're gonna be the ones most exposed. And so that's what we did. We kicked off um, a research study where the first were able to do it during COVID, you know, 3,000 frontline healthcare workers across the country at a bunch of different hospitals, um, you know, we donated rings to, and uh, they enrolled in the study. And, and then we opened that to our whole user base. And we eventually had over 70,000 users enroll in their study and contribute their data. And you know the early findings actually were published in a journal, um, uh, in, in an open medical journal at the end of December. And what they basically showed was, um, you know, we took the first 50 positive COVID cases. And what the data showed um, is that um, on 38 of those 50 subjects, there's significant changes in Aura data before three days before, people feel symptoms, and I mean that's huge, right? Like I, I think no wearable has shown um, that significant of a percentage of a, a of a you know user base um, or amount of subjects um, that has you know uh, a significant change up to three days before. And you know we're also doing research with West Virginia University, the Rockefeller and Neuroscience Institute, and you know they actually you know put out a press release saying the same finding. Um, and, you know, I think we, we will now have another follow-up study at UCSF that continued all throughout the winter, um, you know, and now that'll, that'll have hundreds of cases in that data set. So we think that could be really, really meaningful. Um, and what happened is since we were the first we're able to do that and the data looks so much more, you know, granular and things like temperature were in there, I think a lot of the sports teams and leagues as they're trying to figure out how to get back to work, you know, wanted to use new technology. So, you know, the NBA contacted us and, you know, sort of crazy pinching myself as a startup seeing that happen. But, you know, they were blown away by this early data. Um, they were trying to figure out how to re, you know, reopen the NBA in a bubble. And, you know, we were able to partner with them and get, you know, thousands of war rings to, you know, the, the bubble in Florida uh, when they did that. And the same thing with, you know, UFC um, and the same thing with, you know, NASCAR and many other sports leagues and teams. But that, that all came out of the research um, that, that we were doing with UCSF
0: one of one of the great things about it too the the aura ring is the battery life on it four or five days that you just put it uh, for while you're watching TV or something put it on a charger for 90 minutes or so and and you're good for another five days something like that and then you can still be wearing it when you sleep or, and when you're active during the day so that that's that's a big plus and and one of the reasons why I think a lot of people, wearing other fitness wearables kind of fall by the wayside sometimes is the need to keep it charged. And when do I take it off? When do I put it on? That kind of thing. You've, you've really uh, come a long way in solving that, that kind of problem, whether it's for seniors or, or others. So yeah.
1: no, I think usability, you know, I think often we forget that like making you know, any change for people is hard right? Trying something new is hard. Stepping on the scale every morning is something new that people are trying to lose weight, have to remember to do if they really want to track it. Um, You know, so I think, uh, you know, doing any type of diet modifications and creating food logs, a lot of work. And I think um, sometimes that friction, you know, making it hard is, is what really, unfortunately, you know, causes people to drop off some of those initiatives that can improve their health. And so making a product easy to use, so it's seamless, you know, people tell us all the time, I forget the rings even there, and and we love that because you know we we think that means like oh wow it's really integrated in their life. It's not annoying. It's not an you know obtrusive thing. You don't have to charge a battery every single day um, like you do on an Apple Watch. And so I think yeah that usability is is just huge.
0: And it's fine in the shower or in the pool, right? Yeah,
1: waterproof. Yeah, you can dive with it. <laughs> so
0: terrific. So any thoughts about where you want to take this from here? Are there other new capabilities, new things you want to do? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think the whole industry is going from something I describe as, you know, wearables 1.0 to wearables 2.0. I think wearables 1.0 was, you know, basic sensors and things like steps, right? You know, credit, you know, where credit's due, you know, Fitbit was a pioneer here, right? They took an accelerometer, a a movement sensor, and they moved it from sort of a, you know, pedometer step tracker that you used to wear around your belt to a really easy to use form factor, like a watch, right? Um, You know, hundreds of millions, billions of people wear watches every day. When I put this tiny little sensor in there and have it be sort of a smartwatch, watch, right? Um, and so I think that was really, really smart. Um, but I think, you know, that activity use case is really interesting. I think the the use cases of the future for wearables is health, right? And um, that means better quality data, more independent research, you know, really getting the best quality of signals Um, And and we've seen all types of wearables starting to attack this. I think Apple's been a pioneer here in their work on cardiovascular disease, in particular AFib, um, right? It affects 2% of the population. Um, Most people don't know or when an AFib event is happening. I think the Apple Watch is fascinating technology for that. Um, You know, I think uh, we just did a lot of work around illness and it's not just Unfortunately, you know the, the 500,000 people that have passed in the US this year. Obviously, that's that's insane. That's tragic right um, But almost every year, nearly 50,000 people pass away in the US because of flu related um, You know, complications and, and frankly, it doesn't have to be that way. We know it's human human contact and we know it mainly happens in the workplace. Um, so imagine a future where if it looks like you may be getting sick, even before you feel symptoms, you're alerted. So you can keep your coworkers and your loved ones safe. Um, You know, I think sleep apnea is really interesting. Um, I think even Samsung is doing some work in Korea with blood pressure um, and using the Samsung galaxy gear watch. So I think we're evolving from steps and something that's sort of novel it's helpful, right. But into broader, longer term health, you know, healthcare and, and and these, these healthcare issues.
0: Does that mean you look beyond the ring or just, what does no, that No, I, I
1: actually think the ring is in fact um the best place to do all of those things. That same quality of of you know data quality in the pulse signal, um, that allows us to see actually those variations, um, whether it's sleep apnea, hypertension, or AFib, actually at a more granular level than the other wearables. Um, now those companies are way bigger, um, right? You know, Fitbit just got purchased by Google for, I forget, over $2 billion. You know, Apple's a trillion dollar company. You know, even now Amazon is getting into the wearable game and even rumors this week on Facebook. Um, And and that seemed really, really credible. Um, And so I think um, what we feel like the advantage is actually all that hard work we did to get all these sensors in a a location on your finger um, that has a much better signal quality than your wrist. And uh, I think for all these healthcare applications in the future, we'll, we're actually gonna be able to do them a little bit better and more accurate uh, than the other wearables. And I think um, you know we look to double down on those efforts this year and the following years and, and helping you know humanity understand their health.
0: Will you need new devices or is it strictly a coding thing with the app to be able to take the data you're already creating with the ring? Yeah,
1: I think, look, we, we constantly are always uh, pushing on the software side. Um, you know, I think people may say, oh, that's a wearable company, um, you know, or a hardware company. Like people thought of Fitbit. I, I completely disagree. We're, we're, you know, we're a health data company. Um, we're really a health company. And and so data and, and software, I totally believe in machine learning. The future is AI um, and data science. And uh, I think, you know, we've done more and more in the app experience to launch some of those features, tracking activity, um, having that automatically be detected on what workout you may have just done. You know, that's all done in software. It's all been software enhancements. We'll definitely always look to make new hardware investments and, you know, new sensor technology as it comes out. But I think the you know, most of what we can do is going to be done really on the software side.
0: Well, terrific. So the the price is about $300, $299 for the the most part. You have some different models out there.
1: Yeah, we have um, our basic rings and colors start at $299 and some of our premium finishes like uh, gold and a a stealth black ring, more of a matte black ring are $399. You know, I think, um, you know, the Apple watches sort of start at $400 um, for the newest model. And so I think, um, you know, consumers are willing to, you know, really pay. In fact, they're frustrated uh, because they can't understand their health. And so I think, as a startup, you know, it is differentiated technology. It does cost us more to make, um, you know, a custom device on the finger, you know, and and do a lot of that sort of, you know, by hand. Um, so I think, um, you know, we we wanna make it more accessible over time uh, to everyone. Um, that's part of our goals. Um, but, you know, I think also at the same time, it's there's a real cost to differentiated technology.
0: Well, the website is auraring.com, O-U-R-A ring.com. Congratulations on the innovations. Harpreet Singh Rai, thank you for taking the time with us. Thank
1: you, Fred. I appreciate it.
2: Now, this. It takes a lot of listening to build a better radio, and that's just what the folks at Sea Crane have done. Bob Crane and his crew, nestled among the rivers and tallest trees in the world in Fortuna, California, have made a habit of listening to their customers